everyone, and welcome to the Homicide Homegirls podcast, a weekly true crime podcast examining the true crime cases that fascinate and intrigue us. I'm Arielle. And I'm Amanda. Thanks for joining us. We can't wait to share the details of this wild episode with you. Hey listeners, and welcome to episode 10 of Homicide Homegirls. Um, can't believe we're at 10 episodes already. Time flies and you're having fun. Kind of crazy. Yeah. But anyways, we'll jump right in. Um, Today we're going to discuss the case of the disappearance of a 12-year-old girl named Martha Jean Lambert who went missing near her home in St. Augustine, Florida in 1985. 12 years old. So this case predates both of us. This was before we were both born. Yeah, and you know, like, a lot of these episodes that we've put on our list, you know, like, I didn't really... Like, we've just thrown names on our list and we just pick one um, without doing any kind of, like, (laughs) premature research. So, like, like, even with the Neelys, I I had no clue that her victims were so young. And it's like, because I'm completely oblivious to this research that Ariel's doing on these cases when she leads. So, a little bit of insider information there. (laughs) Yes. Um, Actually, if we're being honest, I found this case on Snapchat. What? Yeah, you know how sometimes, like, oh, stuff yeah. will come up, mm-hmm. like, In recommended? The stories, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it came up, and I was like, well, this is interesting. So, I added it to our list, and then we decided to, or I decided to do it. So, um, anyway, like we usually do, I'm going to start with a little bit of background. Um, and, you know, like Amanda said, she does not know anything about these cases. So, this is her first time hearing it along with you guys. Right. I'm just as... Uh surprises you are. Right. So Martha Jean Lambert was born March 26, 1973 to parents Margaret and Howard Lambert. She was the youngest of three children um, with two older brothers named David and Raymond. Martha, her parents, and her brothers lived in a trailer on Kerry Lynn Road in St. Augustine, which is in St. Johns County, Florida. Um, According to most sources that I found online, Martha Jean and her brothers had a pretty rough home life. Um, It's been reported that her father, Howard, was an alcoholic who had a really explosive temper, which led to her parents fighting often. And it's also been reported that um, Martha Jean and her brothers spent a lot of their young lives in foster care, Mm -hmm. even though I couldn't, I couldn't find like a definitive reason on like why they were removed from their home Mm -hmm. um, but I just read that you know they were in foster care Um, but you know all this to say you know it sounds like she had a pretty rough childhood which makes me really sad yeah Um, especially knowing that she's the victim in this case like right it maybe could have been prevented right and I mean I know almost everybody has issues in their childhood but her childhood just seemed like it was just like you know really not a great um, childhood Um, you know maybe her parents did the best that they could I mean as a parent as a parent it is not easy and no one prepares you for it but you know so maybe they just did the best that they could but um, anyway Martha Jean's brothers um, were also said to have run away from home at some point so I guess they didn't have you know they were experiencing the same things that she was experiencing Mm -hmm. so you know, they ran away. Um, <clears throat> so Martha Jean was described by family and friends as a friendly and shy girl who loved spending time at her friends' houses, which makes sense to me. I mean, as an escape, I guess. Yeah. You know, if she's having a rough time at home, you don't want to be there. Great. 
Um, she was a very trusting and happy little girl, um, even though she was really shy. At the time of her disappearance, Martha Jean was a seventh grader at Catalinas Junior High School in St. Augustine, Florida, and I probably mispronounced that, so if you're from there and you know how to say it, let me know. <laughs> we apologize. Right, I apologize. Don't come for us. Right. Um, Martha Jean was described as a good student who loved school, um, and the sheriff's office report when she was reported missing listed her as four feet tall and 70 pounds with blonde hair so she was tiny Mm -hmm. right and um as we always do i'll post pictures you know when this episode released so i mean she was a really cute little girl Mm -hmm. have you have i sent you a picture of her oh I'll, i'll do that now um one second i got it oh yeah. So sad. Yeah. So, Martha's last known whereabouts. So, when she was 12 years old, Martha Jean Lambert vanished near her home in St. Augustine, Florida on November 27th, 1985, which was the day before Thanksgiving. Oh, man. And according to Martha Jean's mother, Margaret, um, Margaret told police that she and Martha Jean were together the night that she went missing at a neighbor's home for a social gathering. And Martha Jean told her that, you know, hey, I'm going to go back to our trailer. I'll only be a few minutes. I'll be back. But unfortunately, Martha Jean never returned, as she said she would. So her mother started looking for her. And, you know, she enlisted her neighbors, as most, you know, most people would. Um, They started looking for Martha Jean. And after hours of not being able to find her, um, the Lambert family contacted the St. John's County Sheriff's Office at 3 a.m., on November 28th, 19, 1985, to report Martha Jean missing. So, you said she went missing near her home. Like, she wasn't, wherever party they were at. They were in, like, the trailer park. So, it wasn't far. No, so, it was, like, in the same, like, like walking guess, distance. Right. That's, yeah, from what I... That's so scary. Right. So, after Margaret reported her daughter missing, um, police and neighbors continued to search the area around her home, but they found nothing. Um, and they originally believe police believed that Martha Jean was a runaway, and they treated the case as such. Oh, that like, makes me so mad. Why is that always their first choice? Like, if, or their first thought? I guess cause didn't they, didn't you say her brothers often ran away, right. but she never did? Right. And I mean, I feel like that's their go-to in teenager disappearances, and it annoys me. Like at twelve, when I was twelve years old, like. I wasn't running away. I mean, I guess some 12-year-olds do run away, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know about the 80s because I wasn't there, but yeah, now, but my daddy would wax that. (laughs) Girl. Right. Uh Uh-uh. Like, in in the fact that the the authorities didn't take it seriously, like. I mean, they did search for her, but they were probably, they, you know, just like, But you just leave her alone, like. That's the wrong attitude. Mm-hmm. Right. <sighs> right. Um, so, but Martha Jean's mother, you know, disagreed with the investigators, and she told them that even though we had problems at home, Martha Jean would never run away. Um, and, I mean, you know your kid better than anybody else. Right. So, you know, she also told investigators that Martha Jean would also never get into the car of anybody, like even a friend, without asking permission first. Um, so, and I mean... Unless it was against her will, then she really... Right, right, right. And, right. Have, and that's that's what she meant. Like, she wouldn't, you know, willingly get into the car of anybody. Um, so, Margaret was convinced that somebody kidnapped her daughter. 
you know, basically because of what we said, she mm. wouldn't run away, and she knew that she wouldn't get in the car with anybody. Or cell phones weren't a thing back then. Not, no, she, not in she, the 80s. And she was 12, so the right. likeliness of her having one. I don't know, it's just, I mean, nowadays if somebody said they were going to go run to their house and they'll be right back, mm-hmm. that could mean, there could be, like, something behind that, you know? Mm-hmm. But not at this day and age. I mean, in, in, that, in, the day 80s, and age, yeah, in right. that day and age, I don't think... Right. And, an and, and, you know, everyone likes to hope that their their kid wouldn't get into the car of a stranger. You know, I have a daughter, and I've told her numerous times, you know, I don't care if they tell you they have candy, puppy, ice cream, a kitten, nothing. Like, I don't care if they tell you they know me. You know, you do not get in the car of anyone that you don't know. Right. You know, I was like, you literally run in the opposite direction. So, you know, I feel like everyone tells their kids that, you know. And I think the 80s was when, like, stranger danger became a big thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe maybe she, Martha was big on, on that, you know. Or her mom was big on the stranger danger thing with, mm-hmm. with her kids and was like, you know, don't. She would definitely would not right. get it, yeah. So, um, you know, like I said, Margaret was convinced that somebody had kidnapped her daughter, Martha Jean. And police initially looked into that but couldn't find any evidence to support it. Yeah. And no one has ever been named as Martha Jean's kidnapper, nor has anyone ever been arrested in relation to her disappearance. So, so they kind of, I guess. So, this happened in 1985. It is now 2019, and it is unsolved. Right. Her poor family. I know. Well, I say it's unsolved. No one's ever been charged. Well, there you go with your BS again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I gotta keep people hanging. Um, and you know keep me. them, keep them interested. You know me. I'm wanting to bark out all these questions and <laughs> right. theories. And so, while conducting interviews in the early stages of their investigation, um, police got differing reports from Martha Jean's family. Um, the only member of the family who was not around at the time that Martha Jean disappeared was her brother um, Raymond, mm-hmm. um, who Margaret said was at church. So, and I guess they were able to corroborate that. So his story wouldn't matter because he wasn't around. So. Um, you know, as they would, police interviewed all the neighbors, you know, and was like, have you, did you see her? Where, you know, did you see Martha Jean? And, but nobody knew, knew where she was. And, um, some neighbors said they'd last seen her walking along Carolyn Road, which is the road where her trailer park was. Mm-hmm. Um, they saw her walking along that road on the night of her disappearance. Um, but other neighbors told police they remembered seeing a suspicious green van driving around the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Which stuck out to the neighbors because nobody recognized the van. And allegedly, it was only spotted around the time that Martha Jean vanished. Hmm. So, and I feel like in a community like that, you're pretty familiar with With the the vehicles. Yeah. Right. Like, if if there's a vehicle down my street that I've never seen, I'm kind of like, hmm. Right. Although we do have some sketchy people that live around us, so you never really know. Yeah, girl. Um... So, two days after Martha was reported missing, um, about a dozen police officers uh, with the St. John, St. John's County Sheriff's Office searched the wooded area behind the trailer, but no evidence was uncovered. So, um, but very early on in the investigation, police started to be kind of suspicious of Martha Jean's older brother, David. Who so, the was, other brother that... The brother that was, that was around, yeah. Okay. He was 14 at the time, so two years older than Martha. 
Um, and police believe that he knew more than he was letting on at the time mm-hmm. because he gave police different accounts regarding when he last saw his sister. Right, his story was not consistent. So, first, he told investigators that he had seen her get into a black vehicle, but hmm. they've never found any evidence to back that up. And like, then, that's your sister. Right. Like, if that is even remotely true, why wouldn't you intervene? Right. Me and my brother fight like cats and dogs, but I bet you Same. he is going down swinging. Right. Exactly. If you saw you, so you just saw your sister get into a black vehicle and that you don't know. Of it. Yeah. That you don't know. Your 12-year-old sister. 12. Right. My brothers are younger than me, but I'd like to think if they saw something like so, that happen to me, they'd be running down this car. So Martha Jean was 12 and her brother was 14. Yes. That's the exact age difference between, between me and my brother. Mm-hmm. So. Right. No. Mm-mm. Right. Then... He changed his story and said that Martha Jean left home after they ate dinner together, but refused to tell him where she was going, even though he asked, like, where are you going? She wouldn't tell him. But that contradicts what his mom said. Because his mom said they were at... leaving the party, yeah. They were at, like, a social gathering or whatever. Hmm. And then he changed his story yet again when he told police he had seen Martha Jean walking to the Little Champs convenience store which is located on State Road 207. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, police were like, uh, what is going on with this guy? You know, so following all his changing stories, um, police searched areas along Caryland Road and State Road 207, which is where that convenience store was, but they found no evidence related to her disappearance. And, you know, with little to no leads and no evidence or any sign of Martha Jean, her case went cold pretty quickly. That's so sad. Okay, so now that we talked a little bit about the initial investigation, um, I kind of want to jump into, like, suspects' theories, kind of like we usually do. Um, And as I said, David Lambert, Martha Jean's brother, who was 14 at the time of her disappearance, was kind of the main... I don't want to call him a suspect, but yeah, person of interest, because I don't think he's ever been actually called a suspect. Um, But, you know, police were very suspicious of him from the beginning Mm -hmm. because his story kept changing. So, and, you know, he continued to be suspicious. So, in the years following Martha Jean's disappearance, um, David had several run-ins with the law. So, after getting arrested for attempting to pass a bad check in 2000, David just, you know, took this opportunity to confess to police that he had murdered Martha Jean and buried her body at a coquina mine on Holmes Boulevard, which is known locally as the Pits. Excuse me, what? So, right. So, issuing worthless checks has now escalated to, to confessing m- to murder. To, okay. Right. Just because? I, I guess. What the heck? Right. Oh, and just a sidebar, I had no idea what the heck a coquina was. Me so, as usual, I googled it, and it is apparently a soft limestone of broken shells, and it is typically used in road making in the Caribbean and Florida. So, just wanted to tell you what that was, because I didn't know, so I figured other people might not either. So, at a coquina mine. Right, a coquina mine, right. So, like, I guess a mine made of soft... Wherever they get these... Limestone of broken shells. <laughs> um... So, based on David's confession, investigators went and searched the location where David said Martha Jean was buried, but they never found a body. And police also didn't find any evidence to prove that Martha Jean had ever been buried at that location. Mm -hmm. And so, 
do that charges were never filed against David because you can confess to something, but unless they have something to corroborate it, so they, they can't charge you. So this was in the year 2000, so he was, what, 29? If he right. was 14 in 1985? 15, 15 years after she went missing. So he was 29? Right. What the heck? Right, like, I don't understand how... Usually it's Writing backwards. a bad check like, would escalate to that. Just tell. I mean, maybe he was sitting with it for 15 years and wanted to get it off of his chest. I mean, from everything that I read, it was just out of the blue. Like, he just... Police were interrogating him, I guess, about the bad checks, and he just came By out the and said way, that. BT-dub, I, BT yeah. I murdered my sister. What the hell is wrong with people? Right. Jesus. But, this was not the last time that investigators would hear from David. So, nine years later, in 2009, detectives with the St. John's County Sheriff's Office reopened the case, and re-interviewed potential witnesses and people close to Martha Jean's family and David again confessed to his sister's murder but this time David had a different story than the one that he told investigators nine years earlier in 2000 well clearly he's not credible no he keeps changing his story so by the way if you're keeping track I want to say this is this is five five okay this is the fifth one the one he told in 2000 was four because he told three different stories when they originally like that she got in the black car that she left uh that she left after dinner and then that she was going to a convenience store and then he said that he murdered her and buried her at this coquina mine and now he's saying giving them a completely different story but in the police's defense they can't not take it seriously right you can't you have to chase down every single lead I'm, I'm not saying that. Right. I'm just... So, like I said, this time David had a different story than what he confessed to in 2000. Um, this time, David told police that he and Martha Jean were playing on the grounds of an old abandoned college, uh, Florida Memor- Memorial College, uh, which was located on King Street and Holmes-, Holmes Boulevard, which, if you remember, I think they've searched along Holmes Boulevard before. Mm-hmm. Um, and according to St. John's County Sheriff's Office Detective Howard Skip Cole, in a 2010 Augustine.com article, the abandoned college was, quote, it was like a poor kid's Disney World. They would go there a lot and play, end quote. Mm-hmm. So David told police that he and Martha Jean left the family trailer after their parents started arguing over a burnt Thanksgiving turkey. Which, that, that sounds like that, a normal that argument will cause to me. An argument. <laughs> right. So, David said that he and Martha Jean decided to go explore the college, which they apparently visited on a regular basis. I guess it was within walking distance of their house. Mm-hmm. I should have Google mapped it to see how close it was to their house, but I didn't. Dang. Next time. So, according to most places that I've read, the abandoned college had broken windows, empty buildings, and debris scattered all over the ground. So, if you ask me... This probably isn't the type of place two kids should be playing. That sounds kind of dangerous. But, I mean, I know the 80s were, like, a different time. But my kids would not be playing at this <laughs> this yeah, abandoned Yeah, it was definitely a college. different time. But, right. I mean, like you said, it was a poor kid's Disney World. and Right, if they had nothing else to do. And if the, the parents were constantly fighting, mm-hmm. you know. Just looking for an escape. Mm-hmm. So according to David, he and Martha Jean stopped for candy at a convenience store before arriving at the abandoned college, and David allegedly gave Martha $20 to buy candy for the both of them, and Martha Jean spent about $4 
of the 20 and gave the change back to David. Mm -hmm. So it's been reported that not long after returning from the convenience store, Martha Jean asked David for another $20, Mm -hmm. which angered him and they began to argue eventually escalating into a physical altercation. Hmm. Martha Jean punched David. Yes, girl. So, David, obviously mad because his sister just hauled off and punched him in the face. Um, So, David pushed her, and she fell back and hit her head on a piece of steel that was, like, sticking out of the ground. And it, according to him, it pierced the base of her skull, (gasps) killing her. So, it was an accident. Right. So he told police he asked her if she was all right, and he ran over to her, and then she moaned, and then died. That was it. Holy crap. So... That sounds the most believable out of anything he said. Right. Exactly. And I've I've watched a police interview with him, and he does seem emotionally... Like, he's traumatized. Seemed, right. And I'll probably play a bit of it okay. later on, so you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um... So, David told investigators that he panicked and yelled for help, but nobody responded. But that makes sense. I mean, if it's an abandoned college, how many people are probably just realistically walking by, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, David said he didn't want to just leave her body there, so he grabbed a broken sign and dug a three-foot-deep hole and buried his sister on the abandoned college grounds. What? So, he didn't want to leave her there, but he was going to leave her there buried. Right. He didn't want to just, like, leave her body there, I guess. So he buried her. He said he panicked, and that's just what he did. I've never been in that kind of state of panic. Well, you've probably also never killed anybody. No, but I'm, like, that... Right. The decision-making on some of these people's parts, though. I, I, I try not to judge people. I know, I know, I know. You don't I know. know how you'll react. Exactly, but it's like, holy crap, dude. Right. So, after David finished burying his sister in the shallow grave... He sat there for, like, 30 to 45 minutes, and then he went home and cleaned himself up. So, in the interview that I watched, David was very adamant that Martha Jean was dead before he buried her. Because that's one of the things they asked. Like, are you sure... She's not buried alive? (laughs) That you didn't bury her alive, right? Because that would be a terrible way to go. Yeah. I mean, so is getting, you know, your skull... The base of your skull pierced by some steel thing protruding from the ground. I mean... That all, those both sound like really terrible ways to die. Yeah. Um, but according to an article on Jacksonville.com from 2010, Detective Howard Skip Cole, who I already mentioned, mm-hmm. so he spoke of David's confession saying, quote, it's not what he said, it's how he said it. Mm. That's what people need to understand. It was real emotion, end quote. Um, so the detectives who interviewed and took his confession believed that he was being truthful because, you know, they say he was remorseful and emotional while recounting the events of that November day to them. You know, like... So, at this point, he's 38 years old? Right. So, in 2009. I mean, I would hope he's more mature and, like, he's had plenty of time to think about it, but... Right. <clears throat> right. So, sad. it is. So, after David confessed as police... Normally, like, you have to corroborate it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't just take, take his it word run. for it. Yeah. So, they tried to find Martha's body in the area where the Florida Memorial College once was, Mm -hmm. but they were unable to locate her remains, even though cadaver dogs hinted at something a few times. Mm -hmm. Um, Do bones just last forever? Well, crews searching the area, they sectioned it off into like four or five acre zones, which is a huge area. That is a, yeah, at a time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Which they searched 
Those areas were searched by half a dozen canines trained in detecting human remains, so basically cadaver dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and investigators even employed the use of a backhoe, which they used to like dig mm-hmm. at an area where the cadaver dogs hit, but they found no sign of Martha Jean's remains. Um, police went in not expecting to find anything because in the mid-1990s, the college was excavated for mm-hmm. what was a planned Holmes Boulevard widening project. Mm-hmm. So it's likely that if Martha Jean's remains ever were there, that they were mixed in with the debris, mm-hmm. you know? So they weren't expecting to find her. Yeah, that sucks. Right. So... In December of 2009, so what I'm talking, they reopened that case in the summer of 2009, and that's when they talked to David. Uh So in December of 2009, his confession was made public. Uh Uh-oh. Right. And so David's mother, Margaret, told media that David often lies and makes up stories in order to get attention. That speaks volumes coming from his own mother. Right. And she's adamant that her son did not murder Martha Jean, and, you know, she stands by her theory that she was abducted by a stranger. That's, but that's got to be terrible to even come to terms with, that right. one of your she's kids... Right, she's in denial, maybe? I mean... Right, maybe. In a lot, I've seen in a lot of um, unsolved or missing person cases that the parents are convinced of this one situation, and they... They don't want to believe anything else. Right. I mean, I can't imagine. Right. Uh, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but uh, JonBenet Ramsey? Anyone? Anyone? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty Uh, much. It was Burke. (laughs) (laughs) Off the record here. (laughs) But I digress. Um, But his confession didn't last long. Um, He quickly recanted. What? Yeah. He recanted his confession, telling a lot of different media outlets that he only told police what they wanted to hear. But that's a pretty detailed right. lie. And, if, if, and as emotional as he was when he told them. Like he said, it's not what he said, it's how he said mm-hmm. it. Like, does he deserve an Oscar for this? Right. Right. I don't know. Um, he also said that police accepted his confession because, you know, they were really eager to close the mm-hmm. case. Um, and he also told reporters he had emotional and mental problems and that he didn't know what happened to his sister. And when he was asked by a reporter for Channel 4 of News4Jacks.com if he accidentally killed his sister, David said, quote, No, I was mentally incompetent when I made that statement, end quote. Mentally incompetent. That sounds like he was trained to, like, that sounds like he was told to say that. Uh-huh. Because, like, I feel like I'm not going to say mentally incompetent in, like, every day. Yeah. You know? But I'm, I'm assuming he consulted a lawyer when he decided to recant his confession. Maybe. Maybe he's just one of those smart individuals, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, um... Maybe. Manipulative. We've, uh, covered that before. But. Right. So, according to police, David was overwhelmed with grief and emotion upon sharing his statement. Like, when he confessed. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, investigators think that his, he's telling the truth because he was emotional. He was so emotional during his confession. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I guess... I guess you can fake that. I yeah. mean, but, you know. Especially after so many years. Right. So, when asked why he hadn't informed his parents of what happened, he shared that he was scared that his parents would kill him. What? 
Wait, and so they're already still grieving the loss of one missing and or deceased child. Right. So let's just murder another one. Like, yeah, but he was also 14 at the time. I mean... But he's 38 now. Like... But at the time, he might have been really scared that his parents would kill him, and especially if his dad was violent. I mean, I guess. Whatever. I I, I Isn't, like, your frontal lobe of your brain not, not fully developed yeah. until, like, your 20... mid-20s or it's something? It's probably later for men. <laughs> <laughs> probably so. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> no offense. So... I know this is kind of jumping backwards a little bit because I said his confession was public in December of 2009. But in November of 2009, detectives brought David back into the station along with his mother, Margaret, so that he could make the confession again, this time, in front of his mother. With present. Well, is that normal? Like, I feel like that's cruel. I don't... I guess maybe they wanted... Well... You know what, that actually kind of makes, now that I think about it... Because she's saying he's a liar. Well, that makes more sense to me because they didn't want his confession to go public without her knowing about it. I guess maybe they wanted her to hear it from the horse's mouth, you know, first, before it got out, maybe. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, I just feel like that's a hard situation to be in. At this point, did his mom say that he was a liar? I I think it was was in December. I think it was after, after all Mm -hmm. this. So, detectives wanted David to tell his mother, you know, what he had done, and I actually was able to find the video of this interview on YouTube, Mm. which I'll link in the show notes if anyone's interested. Um, The interview is right under an hour long, but the first 15 minutes or so are literally just David and Margaret sitting in the interview room while the detectives are doing God knows what, not in the room. But it was recording, so that was probably part of their scheme. To see what what they were saying Mm -hmm. to each other. Right. Because um, I don't know if Margaret knew why they were there. You know, I don't know. If, oh, yeah. It might have just... Right. So, when the detectives finally came into the room, you know, they tell David and Margaret that after reopening Martha Jean's case in June of 2009, they feel that they know what happened to Martha Jean. And detectives tell Margaret that they believe that due to the construction that, you know, had taken place at the abandoned Florida Memorial College, they may never cover Martha, recover Martha Jean's remains, which that's got to be terrible that's to say to a mother and to hear, to swallow, yeah. and to hear as a mother, because it's like, you may never have closure. That's, never. That's so sad. Um, so, you know, and they went on to say, like we talked about, in the years since she disappeared, there have been numerous changes to the land where the college was, and you know, buildings have been torn down, they dug up the ground, etc. Okay, and like I already said previously, um, I did find this second interview where he's confessing to his mom on YouTube, so I'm going to play a clip of David actually confessing now, just so you can hear, you and everyone else can hear, um, you know, how he kind of sounded. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, here goes. Right down there, okay, and I, I want to turn it over to David, because David's got to tell you some things. And then Skip and I are going to be here to support David in telling you these things and answer any questions that you might have. Okay? Okay. Um, basically, uh, the truth of the matter is, <clears throat> me and Martha went to the old college. Um, and... We got in a big argument and fight. 
was over money that uh, she wouldn't give back to me. It was some change of a uh, $20 bill. She hauled off, punched me. Um, I then, not thinking, I pushed her. She fell backwards, and her head, when she fell backwards, her head impaled on something sharp that was sticking out of the ground. I then said, are you all right? I run over to her.
But it, that's the way it was with me when I was a kid. Every dime I got, I depended on it. <clears throat> because I, most of all that I had to work for it. I can't believe um, why I just heard Especially. But it was a freak accident. Um, when you were so close to her. That was rough. Yeah. Like like I said, you can tell he, he sounded like he was struggling with it. I mean he, he did he did sound pretty emotional about it, but he also to me sorta of sounded like I can't believe I'm having to t- to say I this think, again. And that he's having to tell it to his mother, to her face. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know they probably did the best they could raising their kids, but at the same time, in that volatile upper, like environment that they brought their kids up in, like him, him and her getting into a fight, they, they were used to seeing that stuff. Yeah, that's true. So he probably didn't think, you know, right? Like he saw his mom and dad fight every day, true. but and, he had probably no clue mm-hmm. that you know. And a lot of the heavy breathing that you heard in the video was his mom, mom crying. I guess crying and. Uh, and you know she said at the end, you know, so you mean to tell me it was it was a freak accident? It, but you know it, what I was just thinking? <coughs> excuse me. I like did he just have a shovel laying around? No, he. I think I said that previously. He grabbed like a sign, I guess. Oh yeah, like, he like did an old say, si- just street kinda... sign or something. I guess you could makeshift a shovel out of I that. I gotcha. Um. So, I mean, I don't know. It just. He he did say he did seem very apologetic and very like like he, reluctant. Like, and he was yeah, and he was struggling. Yeah. To, to, to yeah. And at the it. beginning, you know, he starts out by saying, "So you know, basically, like that's just, I don't know. I mean, I feel bad for the, for him." Yeah. Because I mean, how many how many of us have gotten into fights with your siblings? Dude, where me and you... my brother knocked down, drag right. out, like right. Like how many times have you gotten? Like I know I've gotten in fights with my brother, and like we were arguing or whatever, and you'd hit him or whatever, and then they'd act like they were really hurt, and you're like, no, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Like don't tell mom, don't tell mom. But like it just really makes you think. Like we did some really dumb stuff fighting. I like... stabbed my brother with an ink pen before. <laughs> Like, I'm not trying to self-incriminate, but yeah, he just got, he knew the right buttons to push, Right. And he pushed him every day after school. Right. And sometimes I would just get on top of him and wail at him, because he just irked my last nerve, right. you know? Like, so I get it, like, <laughs> that could have been me and James, like. Right, that's what I was going to say, like, how many of us, like, how many times have you pushed your brother, and, like, your brother's falling down, like, it just so happened that we weren't at a place with something that could have impaled him, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. sticking out of the ground. Right. So, I mean, I feel really bad. Like it, and I tend to think it probably was just a, an accident. If, if what he's saying, if what is, he's saying true. is true. Yes. Right. Right. So, I mean, I, and I, like I said, I didn't play the whole interview. I mean, I'll share it, put it in the show notes. And yeah, I'm going to go, if um, you're interested, go you can it. go watch the whole thing. But like I said, skips like 15 minutes. That's when the de- detectives actually come in. So it's really like a 45 minute. I gotcha. Um, interview. Okay. And I want to circle back for a second to talk about his little, his interview and what he said, um, when he mentioned about it being over money mm-hmm. and he was like, you know, basically talking about how much money meant to him because he worked for a, all his money. Mm-hmm. 
I can understand that. I've worked since I was 13 years old. Like, I've had a job since I was 13. Mm -hmm. So, I've always worked for my money. Yeah, I was probably a little spoiled. And, I mean, I did get, my parents did give me things. But I always had a job. Like, I always worked. And I paid for my own gas. Even in high school. Like, I paid for my own gas. I paid for my own clothes. Like, if I wanted, you know, a certain thing. Same. Like, I I think I was 15 when I got my first job. And, like, it it, just... So, I mean, I can see what he's saying, you know, like, if, yeah, and they if probably, you're a little sister who doesn't have a job is and, asking for money. And I guarantee they probably didn't have they much didn't money. They didn't have much. Right. So, so when he I got see. his first taste of, you know, having his own money. money. Right. Um, and I, I think that's kind of what he was trying to get at, you know, yeah. he's like, I don't know how you are with money, but, you know, I work for my money, so it meant a lot to me. And I can understand that. Yeah. Um, you know, but, um. I mean, one thing I found a little odd about the whole interview, so like I said, we only touched on a certain part of it, but um, I felt like the the detectives kept interjecting in between him confessing sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, well, you heard in the clip that he told the mom, you know, oh, let him finish, which I can understand that. Yeah. Because, you know. Especially when they're recording it, like for recording purposes. You want the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, after what I cut off, the detectives do kind of interject which mm, that's kind of not their place. If, I mean, in my own opinion, I, I'm, that's just a personal opinion. Right. And I don't know. And I mean, they kept telling Margaret things and like filling the blanks, filling in the blanks almost of his story, which I feel like it was unnecessary. That that felt odd mm-hmm. to me, you know. And I mean, like I'm, I'm not gonna say it made me as uncomfortable as the Brendan Dassey confession. I'm doing <laughs> air quotes. Yeah. And making a murderer did, but it was still uncomfortable. But you know, it was not on that level because no. I wanted to crawl out of my skin watching the Brendan Dassey confession. Especially because he's a juvenile, right? And so naive, and right, right. But um, so I mean, maybe the detectives were just interjecting to help David, like, mm. co- accurately, like, communicate, like, get across to his mom, like, what happened. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe maybe they had good intentions, you know, because they've heard his story before. Yeah, and like but he felt they felt like maybe he was. I mean, you're talking about like they interjected on the parts we didn't hear, like right, like after yeah. that part in the interview. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. Maybe they were coercing a confession. I don't know. I'm not sure what to think. Um, I mean, he 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 did strike me as a little bit mentally slow. Um, um, I maybe, think the may- word I would choose is uneducated, and I don't mean that in a a whole way. Like, right? I just right. I mean, maybe I'm misjudging him based on that one interview, but he well, and I guess I'm basing it off of him saying he was mentally incompetent too. First, but yeah, but I can see that. I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. So, my bottom line is I don't know what to think. Right. I I mean this is bonkers. Right. Like I've always been in the mindset, how do you confess to something that you didn't do you didn't do but like when those um people but, just like insert themselves in investigations. Sometimes, sometimes people are just crazy. Cray, cray. But you know, we both know now, after consuming so much true crime, that false confessions really do exist. And they do happen. You know, and, and like I said, I'm not just I'm just not sure what to think. Part of me wants to believe his confession was true and that's what happened because he was like he seemed genuine about it but then there's another part of me that I'm not sure I don't I don't know maybe and you know I do but I never understood the whole false confession things but making a murderer really helped me understand that that. how they can feed them pieces of the pieces of the crime scene or pieces of the case 
that they want like key points that the murderer would know so they want them to like like they'll come up like and, a snowball effect right like let me right, give like you this little hint and right, it'll grow um right like they'll they'll lead them let me just say that i've had to testify on the stand before and i can see like after like being questioned and i was only questioned for a few minutes you know mm-hmm. like how you finally, like, what do you want to say? Like, yeah. I'll say whatever. Get me the hell out of here. It's like they try to twist your words. And this right. is this is a defense attorney. This mm-hmm. isn't even an investigator. Like, I was a witness. I, I was not the one who committed the crime. Right. But. Right. Like, and a lot of times they're just like, I want it to stop. Yeah. Like. And a lot of times you get a false confession after hours and hours and hours of being there. And in my With experience, no food, no drink, no nothing. And in my experience, it was like. Like, some of my answers were, I don't know, because the way they ask the questions mm-hmm. makes you think that if you say yes or no, you're lying, or right. it's not the, the right answer. Mm-hmm. So, it, I mean, I get it. I do get it. Right. And, like, another thing that bothered me a little bit about the interview, so, and I didn't play this part, but, like I said, if you go watch it, you'll see it, and the detectives kept telling Margaret that she needs to let go of her alternative theories that she has. Basically telling her, this is what, David is telling you this is what happened. Um, no thank you. Right. I really wanted to say something else that was... And I'm about to quote, I'm about to quote them. So, one of the detectives, I don't know which one it was, there's two in there. Uh Uh-huh. Um, went so far as to tell Margaret, quote, you need to let it go, and if somebody wants to keep telling you stuff like that, you can say, no thank you, already know the truth, because they're not doing you any favors, end quote. I would have came clear across that table at that Like, that just rub me the wrong way like there is no body like there is no evidence all the police have is literally his confession which he recanted later yeah and and you've never lost a child before sir so you're not gonna tell me how i feel right and they're telling this grieving mother oh let it go who are you elsa like mm -mm. calm down like no like don't tell a grieving mother you need to let it go and then not not just the grieving mother. You're telling this woman that your daughter's dead and your son did it. Without any other evidence. Besides his confession, yeah. which, I mean, confessions are not are always only a piece a, of the puzzle. Yeah, they're not always a slam dunk. Yeah. Obviously, not in this case when he just, he recanted it. And I was like, that, honestly, that whole thing with them telling her she needs to let it go just did not sit right with me at all. But, like I said, I've probably said this six times. I will post the link to the YouTube video in the show notes if anybody's interested. You can go watch the video, and you can draw your own conclusions. And if you would like to discuss it, please send us a message. Post on our page, um, and we can talk about it. <laughs> what yeah, we what have people a, think. We have the, the form, Ask the Home Girls a Question. You can use that if you want right. to discuss it. Um, right. So... Like I already said, David, David's mom, you know, said that David often lies and makes up stories to get attention, and, you know, she thinks, she does not think in any way, shape, or form that he murdered Martha Jean. And that's another part of him telling her to let it go. Like, she, this woman raised this man. Mm-hmm. She knows him You're telling her that she raised a murderer. Yeah, and she knows him backwards and forwards. So if she knows he's um, likely to lie and fabricate things because know. she's known him since birth and you haven't. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I just kind of want to talk about the aftermath a little bit, um, the aftermath of her disappearance. 
Um, so following Martha Jean's disappearance, uh, the Lamberts began fighting more frequently, which eventually led to Martha Jean's parents getting divorced. Naturally. And honest, I feel like I hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, that's common between parents of missing children or parents, or even parents of children who pass away. Um, tragedy, I feel like tragedy like that will do one of two things. One, it'll bring you closer together as a couple. Or two, it will tear you apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, Martha Jean's parents were option two. The case I'm researching right now for episode 12, um, they, uh, mo- m- mom and dad are still together, oh, so okay. and it's, you'll see. Yeah. So Martha's mother is now remarried, and her father has since passed away. So her father died not ever knowing what happened to his daughter. Yeah. That's so sad. So... Because David was a minor at the time of Martha Jean's disappearance and the fact that there was a statute of limitations on manslaughter in 1985, police never filed any charges against him. And I guess manslaughter because of the, it wasn't, it, was, it um, wasn't premeditated. Passion, it was like, I think it's called pa- crime of passion. Yeah. Right. Um, even though David recanted his confession, police still closed Martha Jean's case, <clears throat> but they say they're willing to reopen it if any new information or evidence comes to light. So so he confessed, recanted, confessed again, and he's sticking to his story now? Well, he confessed in 2000, and then he did. I don't think he recanted it then. And then in 2009, he confessed again and then recanted it after that. Because in 2000, he confessed, but then they never found her body where he said it was. He said it was at the coquina mine, yeah. and they never found it. So, so he's recanted so okay, since so, he recanted in two thousand nine, right? But did he recant after he told his mom? Yes, okay, I believe so. Because um, he told detectives, then he told his mother, like a, a couple months later or whatever. Right. So David is now forty seven years old and is reportedly living somewhere in Florida, um, and according to a two thousand ten article from Jacksonville dot com. Margaret still speaks to her son regularly and confirmed to reporters that he does live somewhere in Florida, but she wouldn't tell him where. Which yeah. I, I he can, doesn't need to be. I can ass. understand that, right? So, lastly, I kind of just want to touch on like where we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in a little over a month in November, it will be 34 years since Martha Jean disappeared. Holy crap! And I can't even imagine. And just for perspective. That is almost three times the age Martha Jean was when she went missing. That's crazy. Which is, that's heartbreaking for me, especially as a mother myself, you know, mm-hmm. and just not knowing. And then it's it's been 10 years since the police closed her case. They that's closed crazy. it in 2009. Like, a lot of the articles that I found were from 2010. Uh-huh. Um, and I mean, so given what they've learned over the years, investigators believe that Martha Jean met with foul play and is deceased, although most agencies still do classify Martha Jean's case as a non-family abduction or runaway. And her DNA and dental records are on file in, just in case that she, that she or her remains are ever found. That's so sad. So it, it's just, there's like no real resolution It's a big case. question mark. Yeah, it's, it's a giant question mark. So, I mean, you can draw your own conclusions whether you think her brother did it or some stranger or the green van that people saw i mean yeah you know yeah so you guys uh after listening to this episode let us let us know what y'all think we we don't really 
go check out the video. Yes, let look at the video. You um, you know, listen to this episode and see. And let us know what you think. Let us. Right. Maybe you guys have a completely different theory than uh, anyone's ever any anybody else stated. So. Right. So if you have any information about the disappearance of Martha Jean Lambert, contact the St. John's County Sheriff's Office at 904-824-8304. That's the case of the disappearance of Martha Jean Lambert. Thank you for listening to Homeside Homegirls. If you enjoyed today's episode, head on over to our Facebook page and leave us a review or rate us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you want to be the first to know when an episode is released, make sure you subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram at Homicide Homegirls, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Homicide Homegirls Podcast, and Twitter at Homegirls Pod. If you would like to suggest an episode, use the form located on our Facebook page. Once a month, we plan to answer fan-submitted questions in a segment we like to call hashtag AskTheHomegirls. So be sure to use the form on our Facebook page to submit your questions. 